Hello, everyone. Welcome to Eternity, where love never fails. Hello, everyone. Thanks for listening. This is the Eternity Bible Study Podcast, where we walk through the Bible together every weekday, Monday through Friday. We're podcasting from here in the United States and in Zambia with a goal to share our thoughts and encourage one another as we read God's Word together verse by verse. My co-host in Zambia, Matali, and I are both listening to Through the Bible Podcast and then sharing our thoughts and encouragement with you. From America to Africa and everywhere else, God is in control. As always, our attribution goes to Through the Bible with Dr. J. Vernon McGee. So if you've ever wanted to try to read the Bible every day, we hope you can join us. We're regular people just like you, trying to learn more about God and walk in step with His Holy Spirit. So if you have your Bible, feel free to read along. If not, no problem. We'll put it all together for you. So let's get started. Today we are uh, back in Daniel chapter 4. We have been uh, looking at Nebuchadnezzar's second dream. And as we saw earlier, he had another dream that really disturbed him, and he wanted Daniel to interpret it. It was the dream of this great, big, beautiful tree with a lot of glory and a lot of the animals lived in the shade of it or lived inside the branches. It was beautiful. It was glorious. It stood above all the other trees. It had all kind of fruit in it. And then a watchman came and chopped down the tree, stripped off the leaves, and then told this uh, person that they were going to need to live out uh, among the animals and be cast off from this beautiful uh uh, area around this tree, and uh, the person's mind was going to be changed from a man's mind to a beast's mind for seven periods of time, or possibly seven years of time. And the king was worried; he didn't know what the dream meant. So he calls Daniel in, and Daniel, when he when he hears about the dream, Daniel doesn't even like to have to interpret this dream. Why? Because Daniel knows he's having to give bad news. To the king, and so he gives the news anyway. And basically, he's telling the king that unfortunately for you, king, that this dream is about you. You're the tree, and you're going to be chopped down. And it's by a watchman from God who's watching over you, who knows your heart. And because your heart is so prideful, and it's not on God's plan, it's on your own plan, and you're boasting in about yourself so much. You're going to be not only the tree is sort of like your own pride, it's going to be chopped down and you are going to be living out among the animals. And uh, you're going to lose your mind and you're going to lose your kingdom until you acknowledge that God's in control. So that's what we're going to be looking at today. And as we look at this today, we kind of have to ask ourselves, is this, is this what God is really trying to teach us today? And what lessons can we learn from it? And uh, we have to ask ourselves, are, aren't we a little bit like Nebuchadnezzar at times? Do we have our own pride at times? Do we have our own agenda working at times? Do we think that we've made it 
Are we working so hard? We're trying to build our own little kingdom up, you know, whether it's at our job or whether we're trying to build our own little uh, kingdom up, you know, in schoolwork or business or circle of friends. You know, we have our own agendas and we have our own little uh, worlds that we think we're the biggest tree in or we want to be the biggest tree in. Um, you know, or maybe there's somebody else has, you know, got so much above us and we just sort of buy into the fact that, um, God's not in control or God can't, God can't do anything about it. And so human pride is such a powerful, um, such a powerful thing, uh, God hates pride. God, uh, man's man's pride cannot exist um, with God's salvation. God hates pride so bad, and uh, one of the one of the things that uh, I found uh, in Proverbs sixteen verse five: Everyone who is arrogant in heart is an abomination to the Lord. Okay, pride is an abomination to the Lord. Uh, we see it in, in Proverbs 6, uh, verses 16 through 19. There's six things that the Lord hates, seven that are an abomination to Him. Haunty eyes, those are like prideful eyes. A lying tongue, hands that shed innocent blood, a heart that devises wicked plans, feet that make haste to run to evil, a false witness who breathes out lies, and one who sows discord among brothers. You know, prideful eyes. If our eyes are full of pride, you know, then we start to lie because our eyes are looking for what we want to look for and our tongue follows suit. And then it goes to hands that can shed innocent blood. A heart that devises wicked plans. All of these things start with pride. And these are things that keep people away from God's salvation. They keep people away from accepting the gospel message today of Jesus Christ. Man's pride will always get in the way of accepting the humility that is required to accept the Lord Jesus Christ. And... um so let's jump in and start looking at this with relationship to pride and even our own pride or our own agendas or our own trust and our own abilities. Are you trusting too much in your ability today or maybe am I trusting too much in my own abilities today? God says you've got to let me be in control. It doesn't always have to work out on your schedule. It doesn't always have to work out on your agenda. You have to let go. Verse 22, let's jump in. So Daniel saying, King, it is you, O King, who have grown and become strong. Your greatness has grown and reaches to heaven and your dominion to the ends of the earth. Isn't that what all of us sort of want? We want to be so successful at what we do sometimes. We would never turn that down. As a matter of fact, 
All our heroes seem to be the ones who are super duper successful. We look at the most successful athletes or the most successful musicians, the most successful businessman, or maybe it's the surgeon or the professor. Whoever you look up to, you know, is always that super ultra successful person we always want to be like. Those are our, quote, idols today. Those are our role models today. The strong, the, the, the well-established, the greatness Verse 23, and because the king saw a watcher, a holy one coming down from heaven and saying, chop down the tree and destroy it, but leave the stump of its roots in the earth bound with a band of iron and bronze and the tender grass of the field and let him be wet with the dew of heaven and let his portion be with the beasts of the field till seven periods of time pass over him. This is the interpretation, O king. It is a it is a decree of the Most High, which has come down upon my Lord the King. In other words, this is a decree from God. Verse 25, that you shall be driven from among men, and your dwelling shall be with the beasts of the field. You shall be made to eat grass like an ox, and you shall be wet with the dew of heaven. And seven periods, or maybe seven years of time, shall pass over you till you know that the Most High rules the kingdom of men and gives it to whom he will. Okay? And it was commanded to leave the stump of the roots of the tree. Your kingdom shall be confirmed for you from the time that you know that heaven rules. In other words, he's going to restore Nebuchadnezzar's kingdom once he acknowledges that God's in control. Then Daniel says, Therefore, O king, let my counsel be acceptable to you. Break off your sins by practicing righteousness and your iniquities by showing mercy to the oppressed, that there may be perhaps a lengthening of your prosperity. So Daniel at the end is kind of pleading with King Nebuchadnezzar, sort of like saying, Hey, King Neb, this is the dream. You are going to go down because you're so prideful. And you don't acknowledge God. And God's going to cast you out. He's going to change your mind like you're going to live like an animal. You're going to be made as low as you can be made from the position of the highest position that you have right now. God has given you this highest position. Now, because you don't acknowledge God, He's going to give you the lowest position. So that you know... That God's in control. God raises up kings and God lowers kings. And that's the way it is. And so we don't really get an answer at that point. We don't really see him acknowledging that. And he just kind of accepts it. So now the next verse is verse 28. So this is a different point in time. So he's he's pretty well uh, blown off this warning. But he says... Verse 28, all this came upon King Nebuchadnezzar at the end of 12 months. Okay, so a year later, you know, he's walking on the roof of the royal palace of Babylon. He's checking out his kingdom. He's looking around the city. And, you know, maybe this dream was in the back of his mind, but it never came true. And he said, you know, it was nice interpretation, but I'm doing okay. Verse 30, and the king answered and and said, Is not this great Babylon, which I have built by my mighty power 
as a royal residence and for the glory of my majesty. Now he said he answered, so maybe he was talking with someone. Uh, or maybe this is an answer to, um, to God. You know, maybe this was an answer for a year later. So we don't really get that in the scripture, but it is an answer to Dave, David, okay? It's an answer 12 months later. It also could have been an answer to somebody saying something. But King answered and said, you know, he's asking a question. Isn't this great? Look at Babylon. My mighty power, my royal resonance, my glory, my majesty. It's a me, me, me situation. And while, verse 31, while the words were still in the king's mouth, there fell a voice from heaven. O King Nebuchadnezzar, to you it is spoken. The kingdom has departed from you, and you shall be driven from among men, and your dwelling shall be with the beasts of the field, and you shall be made to eat grass like an ox. And seven periods of time shall pass over you until you know the Most High rules the kingdom of men and gives it to whom he will. Okay? So that was a big voice coming out of heaven. King Nebuchadnezzar probably heard that voice. And he was probably scared to death. And before he could do anything else, verse 33, immediately the word was fulfilled against Nebuchadnezzar. He was driven from among men and ate grass like an ox, and his body was wet with the dew of heaven, and his hair grew as long as eagle's feathers, and his nails were like bird's claws. All right, so we don't get the picture of the description at this point uh, of what happened. I mean, was he magically, was, not magic, was he, was he miraculously transported out in the field? Or did he, most likely, he just became insane or mad and was running around. Probably no one could control him. You know, what an amazing picture that must have been. We don't get that vivid description in Scripture, but it's enough to say that God did it. God's sovereignty did it. God's power did it. And it's it's enough for us too. We don't need to be we don't need to see those details because we have the same thing in our lives. You know, we have to be able to acknowledge that God's put us where he wants us. God's put us where we are. And God God doesn't want us God doesn't put us where we are so that we can get so busy and wrapped up in our own schedules that we never have time to acknowledge Him. Think about that. You know, you get to the point where you're so successful in doing what you're doing, it's so easy to rationalize yourself out of God's plan. And that's not what God wants. God wants you to be successful. God wants you to do a lot of things, but not at the expense of not acknowledging Him in everything you think and say and do, and not acknowledging Him in Him in your actions and deeds. If you're too busy to acknowledge the Lord, you got too many things on your plate, and you got to clear it off. Look what God did to Nebuchadnezzar. He made things so simple, he would live like an animal. There was nothing then on Nebuchadnezzar's dream, on agenda that got in the way of, of him. 
until he finally simplified Nebuchadnezzar's life to the point where he could just acknowledge God. And look what it had to happen. Seven years he had to live outside, you know, living like an animal until he could acknowledge God. Is that what it's going to take for me and you? Hope not. Verse 34, at the end of the days, this is the period of time, I, Nebuchadnezzar, now this is his testimony. This is him later testifying what happened. I, Nebuchadnezzar, lifted my eyes to heaven, and my reason returned to me, and I blessed the Most High, and I praised and honored him who lives forever. For his dominion is an everlasting dominion, and his kingdom endures from generation to generation, and all the inhabitants of the earth are accounted as nothing, and he does according to his will among the host of heaven and among the inhabitants of the earth, and none can stay his hand or say to him, What have you done? Or, you know, like question him. Verse 36 At the same time my reason returned to me. And for the glory of my kingdom, my majesty and splendor returned to me. My counselors and my lords sought me, and I was established in my kingdom, and still more greatness was added to me. Nebuchadnezzar was humbled. Nebuchadnezzar honored God, looked toward heaven, and now acknowledges God above all. And Nebuchadnezzar's reason was returned, and his kingdom was returned. And not only was it returned, it was returned with abundance because he had kingdom and splendor, um, greatness was added. Okay, he didn't get the same, he even got more. And isn't it interesting, I've heard it said that whenever God's hand is in it, that the answer is always in abundance. Now I, king, now I, Nebuchadnezzar, praise and extol and honor the King of heaven, for all his works are right and his ways are just. And those who walk in pride, he is able to humble. That's what he said. Nebuchadnezzar nailed it, didn't he? Those who walk in pride, he's able to humble. So am I walking with too much pride today? Are you walking in too much pride today? It's a big lesson in pride. And pride can, can be manifesting itself in so many different ways. And it's so easy to, to have you know eyes of pride saying, Who is this person trying to teach me Sunday school? Who is this person trying to teach me? Do they think they're better than me? Who is this who is this person wearing all these fancy clothes or driving this nice car? Do they think they're better than me? Who is this person at work who's my boss who is supposed to be supervising me? They're not as good as me. I've been here longer than them. Is that what we say? All those things are forms of jealousy and jealousy comes from pride. Because you think you're better than you should be. We're all sinners. We're all sinners who deserve to die. And we're all sinners who need Jesus Christ. We're all people who've been fought, died, and paid for by Jesus Christ if we believe in Him. And if that's the case, we're all belonging to Jesus. We're all 
his victory. And if that's the case, who do you who are you to think you're anything above what God's given you to be at? God puts you where he wants you, but he doesn't want you there in pride. He wants you there as someone who has been conquered and won from the grip of death by Jesus Christ. And one who is utterly dependent on Jesus Christ. How can you pray if you're prideful? How can you serve if you've got too many things on your agenda? Because you've got so much faith in your own self and your own needs that you don't put God's work ahead of your own schedule. It's all due to pride. It's all due to the fact that you think your stuff's more important than God's stuff. You know? I got to go to the grocery store. I got to do this. I got to do that. I got to pick the kids. I got to, you know, we've got to have this party. We've got to have this dinner. We have to have this engagement. We have to go out. We have to do this. We have, you know, there's so many things that could be on your schedule. How much is it for the kingdom of God on your schedule? God cleaned out Nebuchadnezzar's schedule in a big way. And Nebuchadnezzar realizes that if you walk in pride, God's able to humble. So, awesome lesson today. Surely is instructive. So for me to all of you, uh, God bless you. We'll see you next time as we continue to study the book of Daniel. Now I'll turn the rest of the podcast over to my co-host in Zambia, Matali. Hope you're doing great. And I can't wait to hear what you've got to say about this as well. So for me to all of you, God bless you. We'll see you tomorrow. Hello. So today's teaching is coming from Daniel chapter 4, beginning at verse 22 all the way to verse 37. So here we see the second dream that Daniel has interpreted to Nebuchadnezzar. So Nebuchadnezzar had another dream that all his wise men, soothsayers, you know, sorcerers and all, they could not interpret. So the dream was of a great tree that, you know, provides fruit and shelter for the birds and the beasts of the earth and, you know, for everyone on this on the earth. And this tree represents Nebuchadnezzar. So now scripture reads from verse 22. It is you, O king, who have grown and become strong for your greatness has grown and reaches the heaven and reaches to the heavens and your dominion to the end of the earth. Verse 23 reads, And inasmuch as the king saw a watcher, a holy one, coming down from heaven and saying, Chop down the tree and destroy it, but leave its stump and roots in the iron and bronze in the tender grass of the field, let it be wet with the dew of heaven, and let him graze with the beasts of the field, till seven times pass over. Verse 24 <coughs> goes on to read this is the interpretation o king and this is the decree of the most high which has come upon my lord the king so now here <coughs> you know daniel makes it clear that the tree is actually nebuchadnezzar so nebuchadnezzar you know he's formed this great empire um you know that and he 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 has reign over it all and God is the one who has actually blessed him with this particular empire. So he and and the dream is interpreted is interpreted as he is to be cut off 
but not rejected. So he, he's just to be cut off because of his pride. Uh, but, you know, he is not rejected until he <coughs> acknowledges, you know, um, the one who gave him all, all power and all dominion, like and the one who helped him uh, raise him to this particular point that um, he was on. And he was to be... Um, <coughs> You know, he was to be cut off for seven years and Nebuchadnezzar was to live, you know, with and he was to live like the beasts of the field. So he won't even recognize himself. <clears throat> so he was going to go crazy because already Nebuchadnezzar suffered from, you know, a case of, of hysteria. And, um, you know, next he was suffering from amnesia. He forgot who he was and he, he, he believed he was uh, an animal because he was to live amongst the animals for seven years until he actually recognized who was in charge who was in charge of everything so scripture goes on to read verse 25 they shall drive you from men your dwelling shall be with the beasts of the field and they shall make you eat grass like oxen <clears throat> they shall wet you with the dew of the heaven and seven times shall pass over you till you know that the most high rules in the kingdom of men and gives it to who to who whomever he chooses verse 26 goes on to read and inasmuch as they gave the command to leave the stump and roots of the tree your kingdom shall be assured to you after you come to know that heaven <coughs> rules so here, Daniel makes it clear why the dream was given to Nebuchadnezzar and, you know, why it's actually interpreted and why he will have this particular experience because Nebuchadnezzar was full of pride. So Nebuchadnezzar was lifted up with pride <coughs> as shown, you know, in the last chapter <coughs> when he actually made an image of gold and forced mankind to actually worship it, to worship him. <coughs> and... Uh, he was to be driven out of his palace and to live with the oxen. And um, he will forget he's actually king. Imagine this <clears throat> mighty ruler who has made um, this powerful kingdom. He is driven out and he forgets his king and he starts living like a, you know, among the oxen, among the, the sheep. I'm sure, you know, Dr. Jamie McGee pointed out, if anybody had actually asked him, like, um, hey, who are you? He would have, he, 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 he's thinking, oh, hey, I'm just normal. And these oxen are my brothers and sisters. <clears throat> and, you know, today these symptoms are actually diagnosed as hysteria. <clears throat> if you, like, go to the hospital and, you know, a psychologist, they'll diagnose them as hysteria. And, um, you know, one of the symptoms is, you know, extensive, excessive emotionalism so you know uh, Nebuchadnezzar was driven by emotions like excessive emotions like he would you know he would go from one high to one low <clears throat> and you know he would just be driven by his, his 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 emotions like um look at how he wanted to actually kill all the wise men because they failed to actually um interpret and tell him his dream so we have lots of rulers that have had these types of abnormalities today you know in our modern day setup and god says that <clears throat> he sets over it the lowest of men and history actually shows it because verse 17 of chapter 4 <clears throat> it reads um you know this decision is by the decree of the watchers and the sentence of the word of the holy ones in the or in order that the living may know that the most high rules in the kingdom of men give it to gives it to whomever he will and sets over it the lowest of men 
Look at Nebuchadnezzar. Look at history has shown, you know, what kind of leaders we've actually had. Those people who actually lift themselves up with pride, they're brought down and humbled. And history demonstrates this. You know, <clears throat> there's so many examples to actually see this from. You know, Hitler, Mussolini, <clears throat> all those leaders. So Nebuchadnezzar didn't know who he was. And this was, you know, another symptom that he was, that, that just reflected his abnormality. <clears throat> this symptom of amnesia. And Nebuchadnezzar also had, you know, extreme egotism he was just egotistic and very very proud and thought he was better than you know the almighty god who actually put him where he was you know which was an obsession that he actually had and we can see this um <clears throat> from verses 4 to verse 10 in um chapter 4 and you know he's all about i you know when he was actually giving his testimony you know dr jimmy mcgee says you know he's suffering from perpendicular ietism so it was all about I, I, I. So God hates pride. And this is one of the things that characterizes men today. One of the things that characterizes you and me today. You know, our pride. And pride comes before a fall. So pride is, beset is the besetting sin of man. So what does man have to actually be proud of? After all, you know, everything. Man hasn't created anything. You know, everything was put here on earth by God. And, you know, what does man actually have to be proud of? So, you know... <clears throat> And, and um, you know, we can actually see this, like Jeremiah actually talked about this in um, Jeremiah chapter 9, verse 23, which reads, Thus says the Lord, let not the wise man glory in his wisdom, let not the mighty man glory in his might, nor let the rich man glory in his riches. Verse 24, but let... Him who glories, glory in this, that he understands and knows me, that I am the Lord, exercising loving kindness, judgment, righteousness in the earth, for in these I delight, says the Lord. So don't glory in your pride, because what do you have to be proud of? Like humble yourself. God will raise the humble and he will humble the, 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 the proud. So, you know, God's salvation rules out pride. If we want God's salvation, we have to humble ourselves. So it rules out pride. And this is one of the things, you know, you can't have. You can't have God's salvation when you, when you, um, when you want that salvation in Christ. You can't have it if you are, you know, lifted up like Nebuchadnezzar. And we can also see this in 2 Corinthians verse 10. Oh, 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 17, which reads... But he who glories, let him glory in the Lord. So Paul was telling the Corinthians that, you know, glory in the Lord. Don't glory in worldly things <clears throat> if you want salvation from the Lord. And, you know, the symptom that, uh, the hysteria that Nebuchadnezzar actually had, these symptoms, they can manifest into amnesia like we saw it. He forgot who he was. And he thought he was actually very normal. He actually completely forgot who he was and... <clears throat> It manifests into amnesia and people afflicted with this tend to forget who they are, you know, for a period of time. It's not all the time, you know, some people like with mental uh, illness, it has to do with, um, you know, um, structural illness. Like maybe it, it came from like when they were born, like at birth, you know, something drastically went wrong or something like that. <clears throat> but Nebuchadnezzar, you know, this hysteria of his, it ended up, manifesting into amnesia he just forgot who he was and he started living amongst the animals so <clears throat> verse 27 goes on to read therefore O king let my advice be acceptable to you break off your sins by being righteous and your iniquities 
by showing mercy to the poor, perhaps they, there may be a lengthening of your prosperity. So here, you know, Nebuchadnezzar was actually troubled by, you know, in his heart. I think in his heart, he actually knew, you know, there was something gravely wrong. There was something that was wrong. And, you know, he's, he brought peace to the world because um, he was the one who, um, you know, like no one actually could fight him. So he brought all these different tribes and different dialects together to live, you know, uh, and he was supreme ruler. Um, but he was, he didn't have that inner peace that he was looking for. So, you know, at this time he was still living in sin. You know, he was worshiping idols and all. And Daniel actually advises him to repent of his sins and turn to righteousness and to God and, you know, begin to demonstrate with his life by doing things that reveal, um, he was God's child in order to reverse this particular judgment that was coming upon him. And, you know, there was actually hope for deliverance because our God is a loving God. He's a God who's full of loving kindness and he's a God of second chances, actually third, fourth, fifth, a thousand chances. God will always give a thousand chances. And, you know, um, you know, the, the miraculous thing is God actually was willing to save Nebuchadnezzar because he knew this man was actually capable of changing. And, you know, we have a lot of cases of abnormality today. And a lot of these cases are mostly spiritual. Not all of them, obviously. Um, some of them are, you know, you were dropped on your head when you were a baby. And yeah, you go rockers, off your rockers. But a lot of these cases are, are, are actually spiritual. And, you know, we have a lot of this uh, spiritual teaching here in Africa. Like, uh, like, say, in my country. We have a lot of these pastors, you know, going around saying, you know, um, you know, um, you know, do this or you know like uh you know put this and you know like kind of like encouraging people to do certain spiritual rituals which is just dangerous you know they tend to tread on these dangerous grounds like oh okay no you're not married can you bring you know um you know a shirt a man's shirt and we'll pray over it or you know um you know you you, you want to be blessed with a car you know buy a key chain for you know a particular car maybe a mercedes benz and we'll come and pray over it we're going to anoint it with oil and you know just these funny funny things and you know they tend to confuse people and uh people you know start to act in an abnormal way so you know a lot of the cases of abnormality today you know it's related to spiritualism and uh, it's actually spiritual so you know go back to like you know all we have to do is go back to god in faith and believe in god so scripture goes on to read verse 28 and it reads, all this came upon King Nebuchadnezzar. Verse 29, at the end of the 12 months, he was walking about the royal palace of Babylon. The king spoke saying, is not this great Babylon that I have built for a royal dwelling <clears throat> by my mighty power and for the honor of my majesty? While the words were still in the king's mouth, a voice fell from heaven King Nebuchadnezzar, to you it is spoken, the kingdom has departed from you, and they shall drive you from men, and your dwelling shall be with the beasts of the field. They shall make you eat grass like oxen, and seven times shall pass over you until you know that the Most High rules in the kingdom of men and gives it to whomever he chooses." Verse 33 goes on to read, That very hour the word was fulfilled concerning Nebuchadnezzar. He was driven from men and ate grass like oxen. His body was wet with the dew of the heaven till his hair 
had grown like eagles' feathers and his nails like birds' claws. So here now, you know, now um, here is the evidence that, um, you know, the king is now on the verge of a breakdown. You know, because he was walking around pridefully and saying, I built this. I, I, you know, I am mighty and all. And, you know, God already told him that he, if he gave that um, he gave him that particular kingdom and he could take it from from him. So, you know, we have had many men who have tried to actually build you know, great little empires and, you know, looked upon them with pride and as if they actually did it on their own. Where are these men today? You know, these are men who actually felt, oh, hey, I am mighty and, you know, um, I'm bigger than God. Like I did this on my own. But God actually made it a point. History has shown itself in Nebuchadnezzar. God actually made it a point that, you know, God is actually, um, <clears throat> you know, the most high. He rules in the kingdom of men today and he elevates whomever he wants. And, you know, he brings down whomever he wants. And this was what happened to Nebuchadnezzar. So Nebuchadnezzar, you know, moves out of the palace to live with nature like an animal. And this dream was actually fulfilled. So verse 34 goes on to read, And at the end of the time, I, Nebuchadnezzar, so now here we see his testimony. At the beginning we saw a testimony, and now we see another testimony here, which can be joined together. So here it says, And at the end of the time, I, Nebuchadnezzar, lifted my eyes to heaven, and my understanding returns to me, and I blessed the Most High and praised and honored him who lives forever, for his dominion is an everlasting dominion and his kingdom is from generation to generation. Verse 35 reads, all the inhabitants of the earth are reputed as nothing. He does according to his will in the army of heaven and among the inhabitants of the earth. No one can restrain his hand or say to him, what have you done? So here his understanding, you know, comes back to him you know, after seven years, and he gives a brief testimony. So Nebuchadnezzar has learned that God's running things here on earth. And this is what a lot of us, you know, Christians should understand today. So he has accepted what has come to him as the will of God for him. And he yields. Um, and, um, you know, he, he, he actually yields his pride, proud mind to uh, God's will. You know, he actually yields that pridefulness and understands that, you know, it's the will of God, um, that God puts whomever he wants and he removes, um, like, you know, God is actually in charge. God can put whatever ruler he, he wants and elevates people and also brings down people. And this is what most of us, children of God, Christians, should actually um, realize today. So verse 36 goes on to read, at the same uh, time my reason returned to me and for the glory of my kingdom my honor and splendor returned to me my counselors and nobles restored to me I was I was restored to my kingdom and excellent majesty was added to me verse 37 now I Nebuchadnezzar praise and extol the honor the honor the king of heaven all of whose work are truth and his ways justice and those who walk in pride he is able to put down so here now you know 
Nebuchadnezzar reason Nebuchadnezzar's uh, reason and position oh, sorry Nebuchadnezzar is actually um, you know his position is restored to him and you know Babylon was still intact um, it wasn't destroyed um, that's why the stump was cut off but you know um, um, but <clears throat> the well, let me just look for that verse um, even if the stump was actually cut off um, it says, it is you, O king, who have grown and become strong and your greatness, that's verse 22, has grown and reaches the heavens and your dominion um, to the end of the earth. Inasmuch as the king um, saw the watchers, a holy one coming down from heaven and saying, chop down the tree and destroy it, but leave its stump and roots to the earth bound with a band of iron and bronze. So his kingdom was still intact. So just the stump was actually cut off. So he wasn't rejected. He was just um, cut off. And now everything was restored to him. His mental state was actually returned to him and his kingdom was restored to him. His officials surrounded him and the kingdom is still intact. And, you know, added majesty came to him as he recognizes who is the true and living God. So, yeah, this is where we end today. And um, tomorrow we begin um, verse chapter 5 of the book of Daniel. Um, yeah, so this is today's teaching. I hope you all enjoyed it as much as I did. God bless and have a pleasant Monday. Bye-bye.